I set the FBI onto the NSA, attempting to trace the satellite that had tracked me down. The NSA wasn't having any of it, and within 48 hours my agents were reassigned to desk jobs in Dallas, torn away from their friends, their families, their careers, and their utility as pieces. Pawn takes pawn. I tried an alternative tack, pushing from GCHQ for intelligence, but the Americans simply ignored my requests. The games master had her pieces well positioned in the NSA, and they deflected my assaults without a thought. Tactical stalemate. This being so, I settled back for a little while to consider. Villa de Valverde is a capital city, population 1,691, little white houses on a little green hill. Walking round it took approximately twenty-five minutes before returning to the tiny room above a taverna, which served as my headquarters, resolved to try another tactic. The more pieces I threw at the NSA, the more pieces I risked compromising, revealing my hand to the games master. Instead, I deployed a mercenary and his handler in Sri Lanka, flying them to the US to attempt to kidnap a likely NSA employee who might be in the games master's employ. This they succeeded in doing, and held him for all of twenty-two minutes before a SWAT team broke in and took them down. Three hours later, the mercenary, pushed full of what chemicals I knew not, confessed to having received his orders from a man in Colombo who matched my description, which, indeed, he had, and I waited with bated breath for what doom might come. Very little doom came indeed. Colombo remained distressingly uninteresting for nearly four days, until finally a journalist for Al Jazeera knocked on the door of my double, asked if he could have an interview, and, told no, simply shrugged and walked away. A pawn, sent to test whether there was indeed a king hiding in the city. The gamesmaster was not willing to risk bigger pieces on unlikely outcomes yet. She was moving carefully, feeling out the board. A slow opening game. On my ninth day in Via de Valverde, my landlady asked me if I wanted to join her and her husband for dinner. She was seventy-three and had the energy of a twenty-year-old. He was eighty-one and relied on the twice-monthly medical drop from Santa Cruz to supply the drugs and oxygen that he needed to stay alive. She cared for him constantly with unflagging cheerfulness, and it seemed, as I sat at their uneven wooden table in their tiny kitchen smelling of fish, that her great energy had been drawn, vampire-like, from him, so that as one waned, the other waxed, though her waxing was all, all of it, in love for him, as she grew to fill the void that his decline created. She cooked with divine inspiration, fish and beans and wine, prawns bigger than my fist, sauced a lick from the cracked blue plates on which it was served, and as she cooked, she talked constantly a merry litany of stories and adventures from the tiny island in the middle of the sea. Many tourists, she said, many indeed, but not so much, not so many as Tenerife, and people said that was a bad thing, a tragedy, a shame, but she preferred it. It made it better, and what tourists you did get were a better class, not the kind to just sit on the beach, but the kind who cared where they went, what they saw, yes, better, so much better. And you, Mr. Vagar, what about you? You come here, but you never seem to leave your room. Is it not the sun, the climate, the people, the sea? Writing a book, I explained. A book? How marvellous! What on? Mathematics. Mathematics? That sounds very nice. What kind of mathematics? Decision theory. I used to study zero-sum problems where the outcomes of a decision by one agent led to an equal and direct loss of material in another. Now the times have changed, we look at asymmetrical models of decision-making, stochastic outcomes, differential...